Hello and welcome to episode 107 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon and I'm joined as ever by my co-host Pilar Horty. Pilar, how are you doing? I am very well. Hello, Richard. Hello, listeners. But Richard, you sound a little bit throaty. <laughs> I Yeah, I woke up with this. Don't know what it is. Apologies that this is in your ears. Listeners. Oh, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> but if I need to pause for some water, please excuse me. But apart from that, I'm great. I'm looking out at blue skies, actually, uh, which yes. is always nice over London. So what's been going on? Because we weren't together for the last episode. So how have you been? Yes, uh, all good at my end. Lots of actually, I I've been reading a book which I should have asked you before we started recording about this, but I'm just going to tell you. I've been reading Indestructible. Have you mm -hmm. read it? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. What did you think of it? I liked it, mm. and not everyone I think can take everything from it. I think um, not everyone has the kind of job where they have that much discretion about how they organize themselves and uh -huh. do things. But there's some nice principles in it for sure. Yeah, I thought I thought a lot of what we talk about in this podcast, a lot of the the, the values and the principles of a lot, I found it in the book as well. So, and it's a lovely read. So, I rec I recommend it to listeners. I think mm. it's a it's a nice read. It's been my coffee break read for the last couple of weeks. So, yeah. No, and I, also, I like that. My my concern is always when I'm reading something like that that I go, oh, I'm agreeing a lot with this. Am I just engaging in a reading echo chamber? <laughs> Maybe I need to read something I disagree with because I did agree with so much that was in there. Um, so maybe I need to deviate from my my reading list. That's a very good point, actually. <laughs> uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you, because I haven't had the chance to read the episode that was published at the time of recording today, um, which is in the past for listeners, how was your chat with Hayley? Well, I now have a new co-host, so I'm just <laughs> telling you, we, we, had a, we had a really nice chat. So for listeners, that was episode 106. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a really nice review of what it's like to be a psychologist, but also I was really intrigued with Haley's uh, research, her doctoral research into the experiences of women who became entrepreneurs. And I think is a great example of something that was obviously missing from the literature, but combining these different perspectives. And one of which that really intrigued me was values. And another big thing that came out of it was the value of relationships and networks and solid foundations and no quick wins. And the fact that a lot of the advice that entrepreneurs, particularly women entrepreneurs, get on social media is nonsense mm. and can actually detract from their confidence to go and do something. So if you are interested in entrepreneurship, starting businesses, if you're a woman thinking of doing that or you're interested in the topic full stop, have a listen to that episode 106. Um, it was it was really, really good fun. Wonderful. Look forward to it. Uh, and, 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 and we had a, a mention on LinkedIn from one of our listeners. You messaged me. What, okay, you tell the story. What happened? <laughs> uh, I was very excited. So, uh, there were, uh, so someone in my network, uh, the lovely Tim Burgess, um, who, who is the, the founder of, a, of an organization, he shared an article on coaching skills and how to use them for compassion, empathy, and kindness. So he shared that. I messaged him. I just said something. And, uh, and, and 
in reply to my comment, he said, Pilar, it's similar to the excellent managers as coach episode from my pocket psych. I listened to it this on Monday and I was just delighted because it was, um, well, because it was out of the blue because uh, he read an article and thought of something we'd said and it was episode 95. And I just wanted to thank Tim for, for thanking us publicly. Thank you, Tim. And thanks, Pilar, for bringing it to my attention. And and also, I think it's a nice example of how stuff that's in the past can resurface when someone encounters it, as long as it's not too far in the past uh, with those croaky episodes. <laughs> <laughs> the beginning. <laughs> anyway, I think I think we've come a little bit. No, we've come a long way since then. So thank you, Tim. Um, that was that was really nice to see, and I'm, I'm glad you found it useful. So today, um, I'd like to follow up um, on our episode about uh, personality assessment, um, when we were talking about the use of assessments and how they can maybe limit our understanding, limit our behavior, uh, limit our view of self, but maybe broaden it out a little bit. So that was episode uh, 103, in case uh, listeners would like to go back and have a listen to that. Um, But I mentioned in passing the risk that can come with oversimplified personality profiles, that the risk is a sort of oversimplified view of yourself, and that can take the form of a self-limiting belief, as in, I can or I cannot do that because this piece of paper tells me, rather than evidence tells me. And this is really problematic, and this obviously is something that comes up in coaching all the time. But a point I want to make and thank you to all the test publishers for not burning down my house after that episode. <laughs> the point I want to make is that it's not just assessments that can lead to these self-limiting beliefs. They can come from a whole host of sources, and we may not, in fact, we're probably not um, aware that we have them until maybe someone else points it out because they're so present and they're so constantly with us you know they're up there with eye color hair color it's all that stuff that we think well that's me isn't it and it's the opposite of growth it's the opposite of of development so um i want to build on that understanding of personality and explore what we can actually do about self-limiting beliefs and you're are you going to are you going to cover some of the reasons why these uh, self-limiting beliefs might happen apart from the the tests Absolutely. I mean, if you think of it this way, a a big source of them is feedback from others. And we're not always guaranteed good quality feedback. We might be on the receiving end of feedback that was delivered in haste, in anger, um, unintentionally vague or overgeneralized. Maybe it was delivered in a way that the message wasn't clear and we took the negatives without acknowledging the positives. But but if it hurt, if it stung, you know, there's a risk that we internalize that as being not just feedback about an event or a very specific skill, but we see it as me. That feedback was about me. Or we internalize it so that we say, well, that's me forever when it comes to that topic, that skill that context. So we can get it from other people. A lot of people I work with still talk about school. Yeah. They still talk about what teachers said to them. And these are people who are, you know, in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. And I, I really find that um, very sad, but it's also, it illustrates that we can bin that, you know. It's from 30 years ago. It's from 20 years ago. Um, but it's still with them. Um, so multiple sources. And anyone who is who looms large in our lives, 
influential people, parents, other family members, um, not intentionally, of course. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that these people decide to limit our view of ourselves, but the messages uh, can land in a way that leaves us feeling that way. And of course, the limitation can, can also be expressed as not just I can, I can't, but also I must, I have to, or I'm not good unless. So all of these things, I think the limiting bit is it limits our options, it limits our responses, and that's what we will really, really uh, want to work on. Can I share an example? Because mm, some do. things come to mind, and and it might. Well, we'll see. I'll tell you, and then you you can your listeners can can see what you think. So, um, when so so my strength in the arts was always performing, and I was really bad at drawing, and. I understand now that what, what I was really bad at drawing was I couldn't draw what people were telling me to draw. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I remember up to the age of maybe 13, where art was compulsory, my, my art teacher, who I think quite, you know, he was quite fond of me. He, I remember uh, an assessed piece. He finished it for me because basically he probably thought, well, Pilar is not going to pass this if not. So I remember that very well. And many years later, now, probably like 30, 40 years, almost 40 years later, I've discovered that I can draw. But what I mean by I can draw is I can draw something very specific that is very me. I can't draw lots of other stuff, but there's something very specific and that I've been honing into that style of drawing so I can improve it. And now I know how to work on it. So I'm very, at the very early uh, stages of drawing because I haven't done it. And now I'm learning to do it. And I think that, I think that example came to mind. That's a great example. And again, another one that harkens back to school, right? Yeah, that stayed, stayed with you for, for a while. And I, I suppose these come to light, um, in my world anyway, through workplace coaching. And they become obvious when people talk about, um, the limited options they can see for, for what uh, they could do about their situation in a coaching context. And it might be about not, you know, they're, they're so sure they could never develop that skill or they won't be able to be any more senior. They've reached the limits of their competence and seniority and leadership. Um, right down to the micro things, like I, I couldn't lead a meeting. Um, I, I can't give that feedback, you know, those kinds of things. You scratch the surface. They're not based on, I don't have the information. Um, no one's told me this, but more, oh, I just, I can't. And you hit this sort of buffer. You hit this wall um, when with the logic. There is no logic to it. It's just a really, really strongly held belief. And it's only when you explore it and ask about it that you realize ah, this is this is something that's been with this person for quite some time. They haven't questioned it. It's just been added to their self-concept as a fact. And that's a big part of what makes these difficult. We're, we're treating these thoughts, these aspects of our self-concept as if they were facts, as if we should base our behavior on them rather than something that is malleable, that is open to discussion, um, that could be changed like a skill or uh, um, an aspect of our knowledge and our behavior. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. And it's making me think of if if we've had either feedback or even if we've tried something once and it just wasn't the right time or whatever, that we then shy away from it. So we've been told or, or whatever or at some point that the feedback has come that we can't do something, for example, leading the meeting bit. And then we've stopped 
we've stopped trying to do that. We we haven't, uh, yeah, we haven't tried to do it again, etc. So I, it, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It, it goes in the face of, um, you know, the the conversation we have sometimes about people development and personality. That if you've got a strong preference in personality and you get the opportunity to behave that way, you can develop strengths in that area. Mm-hmm. The opposite is true. If, if you believe you can't do something and you shy away from opportunities to do it, well, you're not necessarily going to develop those skills, that knowledge, that confidence, whatever it might be. So in part, it, it is about you know looking for opportunities to explore it and experiment with it. But I'll come to that a little bit later right. on. So I don't want anyone to have a kind of mental model of this as what we're talking about are things where people don't have enough of something. It can also be where they believe they've got lots of it and that's all they should use. So we had a discussion episodes back about overplayed strengths. I might categorize this in the same way, you know, a belief that I need to be in charge. I need to be right. I need to have the last word. That limits your options for flexibility and it can have a negative impact on your performance and your development. So broadly speaking, these are any sort of rigid inflexible views about ourselves and they could take any form basically but we often talk about them in terms of what we're able or not able to do but as i said it could also be must and must always or need to do um we we can overplay an aspect of our identity or our personality within that um so that it um, has an impact on how we respond to what's going on around us and you know the gut reaction, or indeed if you bring it up with someone, they might tell you what they think is helpful, which is, oh, just do it, uh, have a go, that's not true about you, or you're, you've got lots of potential. Well, that's in the same category as people telling us to calm down and cheer up. Mm-hmm. You know, when these are really strongly held beliefs, they don't disappear because someone close to us tells us they're not true. In fact, we might double down. And we might feel bad about that feedback that we're getting uh, because we we know in our heart of hearts it's not true. And, and that can come across a little bit like that toxic positivity we've spoken about before. You know, in the face of all the, my feelings and my concerns about this thing, you're telling me everything's okay. So I don't really feel listened to. I don't feel acknowledged or or validated. And we might struggle internally to try and replace these beliefs or change them somehow or push them away. And again, as we've had in previous discussions, all of that takes us away from the present moment. All of that is a struggle with our thoughts and emotions. And that doesn't really help us. All we're doing is arm wrestling with our mind, in a sense. And the mind is always stronger. So what can we do? Instead, so if we're if we're not going to have f- false positivity and um, endless flexibility about you know seeing ourselves, there are a few things though that we can do to address this, and one of them is something that I've been doing a lot with um, coaches lately, actually, or coincidentally, um, all for different reasons, developing more of an appreciation for how complex our identity is, and noticing um, noticing sorry, any aspects of that that we might overemphasize. So are we really leaning into just one small part of what makes us us um, to the detriment of other parts of us? In a sense, are we creating a caricature 
of ourselves. And it's really useful to dig in to that, all of those aspects that make us who we are, exploring them, not necessarily looking to get rid of them at all, but maybe putting them in context. Are they still relevant? How true might they be? Are they relevant to the here and now? Um, are they taking up too much space compared to some other aspects of us? And this can be a difficult, difficult thing to do, but it's worthwhile because it helps you start to spot the mental shorthand you're carrying around for yourself that might get in the way. And that mental shorthand can sound like I can or I can't. Does that make sense? Completely. I think the the importance uh, for me, what sticks most in my mind is whether circumstances have changed as well and just mm. analyzing that. Um, yeah. And also, as you're saying, the, that we might sometimes hold onto a part of our identity very strongly and forget that actually we're also comfortable in other parts of our identity. Because um, I think, I mean, things that are coming to mind, that the comfort that we might be finding in saying, well, I can't do that, or actually, I should always be doing X. And we might have, yeah, we might have parts of our identity that sometimes we have also found comfort in. So, yeah, all of that is coming to mind. Lots of stuff today, Richard. Oh, I'm doing my job then. I'm doing my job. <laughs> but I, I think I've shared this before, but quite some time ago, you know, when I, when I work with um, new graduates as they enter the workplace, a, a consistent theme is of this overemphasis, well, you know, in their communication of their graduate status. And it, it's true, you are a graduate, but that means nothing in this context. Everybody's a graduate around mm -hmm. you. So, you know, that's not really going to help you, especially if you're using it to justify your behavior and the way that you're treating other people. So that's a, that's a very common example, but it can apply to skills. It can apply to aspects of us that are open to change, uh, like skill, and aspects of us that aren't really going to change anytime soon, like um, our gender like our appearance, uh, like, you know, these things that are less likely to change and the beliefs we can hold about ourselves, uh, race, uh, religion, things like that. Some very so the sort of pillars of our identity. We can have very strong beliefs about those as well. We might have internalized them from other people. We might have absorbed them from society. And so it's worth exploring them in terms of uh, how long they've been around, but also the nature of their uh, change and the opportunities for them to change as we go into the future. So when someone, for example, talks about things that are absolutely true of them, which is a question I will ask a coachy, and that has never changed, they'll talk about, you know, their hair color, for example. Um, it, it's a difficult question to answer, to be honest, but then I'll say, well, were you born with hair? You know, have you always had that hair? You know, the, even something like that is open to change. You haven't always lived at that address. You haven't always had this job. You haven't always been known for this skill. And so clinging on to these things doesn't make any more sense than introducing yourself as saying, um, hello, my name is Richard and I got to be in French when I was 15. It's true, but it doesn't really help me in this situation. Again, we talked about this skill of diffusion uh, many times, seeing thoughts for what they are. And we can apply that here. If we can learn to see the thoughts about ourselves as just another kind of thought, uh, not an obstruction, not a barrier to be overcome or a rule to follow, that can 
free us up so that we can see more opportunities for flexible responses to actually what's uh, in the here and now. And those self-limiting beliefs often take the form of, of what we refer to as stories, you know, a common diffusion technique, learning to see these thoughts for what they are, is to name the story that keeps popping up. So when it's one of those, I'll never be a manager, we're able to spot it and say, well, that's the, I'll never be a manager story. I don't have to sit and keep listening to it and go over and over in my mind. It's just another story my mind gives me. So we're not trying to get rid of that. We know it'll come back, but we're also not deciding what we're going to do next based on something that we've called a story. And then we're treating it lightly. We're maybe rolling our eyes a little bit, a little bit dismissive of it, but we're not negotiating with it or we're not looking for evidence to the contrary. All of that is a struggle and all of that takes us away uh, from who we want to be in the moment. Sorry, I hear you. I have a question. Yes, yes. (laughs) So so what might be... The, the difference uh, between some of these thoughts and, and stories that come to our mind and a gut feeling. Uh, what I'm thinking about is that uh, some thoughts are actually might come from experience. And again, self-limiting beliefs also come from experience. So, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. It, so where is, yeah, what's the relationship or, or difference between gut feeling and these uh, the stories you're, you're talking about? This is a really good question, actually. And I think the word that's springing to mind for me is intention. Um, Mm -hmm. Does it allow us to still act with intention? So if we have a gut feel and we're listening to our gut feel about a person or a situation, we might then decide, okay, so what I'm going to do in response to that is try and find out a little bit more about the person or the situation. Whereas the, these stories are often, uh, they often take the form of trying to keep us safe and keep us away from things that represent a threat of some description. And they take away intentional action, as I would describe it, and maybe just limit our options to things that avoid us uh, being exposed to risk. And of course, the risk is a risk to our self-concept, a risk to happiness and comfort, things like that, not, not danger not pain. And so if we go with our gut feel, we're maybe using it based on maybe more recent experience, could be another difference, uh, an accumulated experience rather than one thing that happened to us once when we were 12, but it stuck with us and someone shouted at us, you know, you'll never amount to anything or something. Um, but I think it's a really good question to, to dwell on. I don't think that's a complete answer. And I'm, I'm going to take that away for some homework. Yeah, what I'm interpreting from that is uh, trying to understand where the, the feeling's coming from um, mm. as a first step for me. That's what I took from what you explained. Yeah. Mm. And it makes mm. sense because this is when I'm looking back now as, at recent <laughs> moments, I'm thinking when I say, oh, I'm thinking that because of X. So if I can see that, and if, as you say, if it's something recent and I understand what's happening, it's, I would even go as far as to say fact-based. This is something that happened. Mm-hmm. That was the result. Then I can see that. So yeah, I think it, it makes sense. And, but if you want to come back to it at some point, I'd be delighted. <laughs> We're here. <laughs> well, it's really good. It's a good question because you also mentioned fact-based and that comes up in conversations from time to time. It's difficult to talk about facts and not be perceived as being difficult. (laughs) By that, I mean, you know, when you say, when you're exploring what happened, well, our perceptions of things are valid and our memories of things are valid unless we were recording it, you know, we can play it back like a, like a movie. Um, But 
people will sometimes say, well, my, my view of myself is a fact because it's true. So it can sometimes be unhelpful to get into the fact, no fact, and instead look at the possibility for change. And maybe that was true, but is it helpful to believe that it's true now and that that's what should direct what you do next? Otherwise, you can find yourself being in a kind of court of law and bringing mm. evidence to the table. <laughs> yes, and that's so. not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to prove anyone wrong. We're trying to illustrate that even if you still believe that to be true, you could behave in a different way. And what sits at the, the center of all of this, I keep talking about how we respond to what's going on around us, learning how to notice the context we're in, learning how to pay attention to now and take our cues from the context we're in and what it's actually giving us rather than out of date or irrational or ambiguous stories about ourselves. And what this gives us, it, it gives us the opportunity to spot opportunities, the, the, the chance to see, oh, I could do that there. I can do it with these people. This is safe or uh, friendly. Uh, this is a place where I can ask those questions and pay attention so that, oh, I feel more confident with these people, but with those people less. So that's an interesting difference. And already we're moving away from I can never or I must always we pay attention to the context, it shows us that we can behave differently, we can respond differently um, based on what's going on around us. And then finally, um, learning more about ourselves inside. I say finally, there's so many ways that we can <laughs> approach this, this topic. I'm sure there are people clenching their jaws listening to this right now. But finally, of the things I'd like to talk about today, um, building our self-awareness of what goes on inside and being more specific about it. This is an elaboration, if you like, of the diffusion skills of seeing thoughts for what they are. But learning to note the difference and make it real for yourself between your values, what you think is really important, um, your personality, which could be thought of as your comfort zone or your behavioral preferences, um, your actual visible behavior, your emotions, your skills, your beliefs, your worldview, your ethics, all of these things are useful to pick apart and see them as different but related. They're all part of you. Some of them are really amenable to change, such as behavior, and that's under your control and you can decide how to behave. Other things are about making yourself aware of them, like your values. And some of them, as we said with personality, have the potential to hold you back if you view them as a comfort zone to stay within rather than a starting point um, or something to get out of regularly when it's helpful to do so. So moving beyond simplistic, this is me, this is how I am, to, well, actually, there's quite a few different bits of me. And if you add that to all of the other aspects of a person that makes them unique, you can just get a hint of the complexity and the many, many, many different data points that we can explore a person from versus the oversimplified view of ourselves we often hold on to. And it seems to me like this is a, a skill worth developing so that when you are in those moments where the self the self-belief might get in the way or, or, or everything we've been talking about that you you are used to that 
stepping back a little bit or um, assessing the your going inside yourself, assessing self awareness, and having all these thoughts. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm getting as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's not simple. Uh, or you might argue it's simple, but it's going to take practice and time, time and yes. um, exploring it and being satisfied that you don't get a perfect answer first time and. Um, so I, you know, for example, with coaches, something might come up. I'll ask them a question about um, which, you know, when looking at this kind of thing, which aspects of you, which of your attributes do you think you could bring to this situation the next time it happens? And a common answer will be about a method they're going to use. And so we'll, I'll, I'll flag the fact that that's a, that's a, that's an approach. That's a skill. Great. What about the rest of you? Because you're not a method. What about your personality? What about your knowledge? What about your values? And and open it up that way, because there's no way you can start top down and say, could you fill in a spreadsheet of everything mm-hmm. that makes you, you, but it it's a really nice way of, um, sort of uh, highlighting to someone that that first thing that came to mind uh, could be super valid, could be really useful. uh, And there's lots of other bits of you that might also be relevant that you might like to think of to flavor your approach to this thing that's important and and meaningful and or difficult for you. So there's a lot going on here. I suppose the the final point I'd, I'd like to make about this is that, you know, one of the easiest things we can do when we have these and you mightn't even agree that it's a self-limiting belief, but it keeps coming back for you and it's maybe getting in the way. Let's let's just say that. The simplest thing to do is to start treating it like a story you've heard many times before. There's no need to waste time living that story. You can uh, bank it. You can have it up there in your mind, um, but you don't need to do anything with it. You can focus on the here and now and look for opportunities to get where you want to be, not where your mind tells you you need to stay. And I, this is probably, this is probably one of the biggest topics I, I work with in coaching because it, it's kind of at the root of a lot of stuff um, when it comes to people development. When someone says "I can" or "I can't," we challenge that and try and dig through to why do you say that about yourself? And that's really where this comes from. Yeah, you can really see how it can affect everything, <laughs> from the way that you approach your own work to the working relationships to the opportunities you go for or not. Um, Yeah, I can really see that. So I'm preparing a new management development program for one of my clients. And there's there's a a module in there about giving feedback. There's a module about how to set goals and develop people. And, you know, the links between those things, which are viewed sometimes as very simple skills, follow the rules and you'll get on fine. Well, I think this illustrates that when you don't get that stuff right, you might be reinforcing some of these self-limiting beliefs in the people that work for you or with you. And so we need to pay attention to the impact we're having on those around us by the feedback um, that we give them, either explicitly or implicitly. I think that's why it's really, really important. Yeah. Pilar, that's that's me done. I think the voice is about to pack up and go home. So maybe we'll draw a line under it there for today. Anything uh, to throw into the mix before we wrap up? Well, I'd love to hear from listeners, as you said, anyone who was clenching their jaw in the fact that we were wrapping up or anything, any, any uh, of course, any specific examples are always a, a lot of fun. 
Absolutely. I'm on Twitter at MyPocketPsych. You can email us at podcast at worklifepsych.com uh, or you can leave us a voicemail and there will be a link to that in the show notes. So thank you for bearing with us today and thank you for listening. <laughs>